0: To much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Uh, Today, we have uh, John Papaloni with us. He's a realtor who's gone bust and came back, and that is one hell of a trick. And, uh, you know, you often hear about that. You know, once you've reached a certain level, even if you fail, you can come back really quickly and it's very theoretical. But today we're going to dig deep to figure out how we really make that happen. John, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. And
0: before we started, I was commenting on your studio, just the lighting and uh, the microphone. And, you know, that's uh, part of being successful in life is having the right tools and being able to use them. So why don't we kick off with that? Uh, give me a sense of you know, why is that important to you and how do you know you have the right tools?
1: Well, I think what's mo- more important than just the tools is the consistency of using it. But the, the assumption of the fact that you're going to be consistent, then you have to have the right tools. Now, this is the way I look at it. If you don't have the right mic, people don't hear you. And if they don't see you, then you're pretty much like, it's okay to be an audio podcast as an example, Mm -hmm. but if you're doing video, you've got to be, you don't have to be the best, but you got to be somewhat clear, but uh, like in terms of visual, but the mic is the most important uh, tool we have because people will put up with a blurry image if they can understand what you're saying, but they will not put up with a clear image if they don't know what you're saying. So obviously audio is first. But then if it's more pleasing to the eye, it's more attractive. And as, as it's more attractive, people want to see what's going on.
0: Excellent. So John, do a little introduction. You're a realtor. Uh, tell us who you are and how you, uh, what's a nice boy like you doing on a podcast like this.
1: All right. Sounds good. I'm my uh, actual, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've, uh, like, as you said, I've been, uh, from, uh, rags to riches, kind of one of those stories and back to rags and back to riches and all over the place. Um, I'm a uh, dual licensed in terms of uh, my realtor as well as a mortgage agent. Um, wow. So the mortgage agent is uh, 2023 that's kind of new. Um, but with that being said, so I'm i I'm a, you know, Very entrepreneurial-like. As you can tell from the title at the bottom of the screen here, it says uh, Papaloni Capital. That is sort of where I lead everything because that's the ultimate end goal, which is a uh, capital investment company. So I take investors and I allow them to invest with me into uh, multi-residential as well as as, uh, private equity mortgages. So I do kind of both. And then so I use my realtor license as well as my mortgage license, and I use that to uh, help clients, of course, and uh, build a business that way. But I also use that to have investment investors who have maximized their own potential investments but are still wanting to put more money into real estate and don't know how to expand. I offer that solution.
0: Excellent. Uh, So. What do mortgage brokers miss with realtors? It seems to be a very simple uh, relationship, but I suspect there's more complexity there and there could be more value add. And since you happen to do both, you'd have a a really keen insights on how mortgage people should play with realtors and vice versa.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, it's always good to have a relationship with both as a client. And realtors and mortgage brokers, tend to tend to uh it's one of those things that it's hard to say like why but for whatever reason they don't collaborate as much as they should and one of the benefits is that uh, if you have both in each other's corner you kind of funnel people to each other and help each other in Mm -hmm. terms of clients and you get to uh be involved in the whole process where you have separate people what ends up happening is you always have questions you ask the client oh you know have you uh, gotten your mortgage approval yet Oh, well, let me check with Bob Smith. Uh, he hasn't gotten back to me today. And the mortgage person says, hey, well, have you gotten these documents from the realtor? Oh, uh, well, I'll check with John because I haven't gotten that uh, yeah. yet. And it's going back and forth. Now, when you have a working relationship with a mortgage person, it tends to be a little bit smoother you know, in the whole process. And we kind of keep each other updated at all times. So you're not having the client up in uh, the clouds wondering what the heck is going on. Living, uh, you know, by the edge of their seats, panicking all the time because they don't know whether or not they're getting the house. They kind of have the play-by-play, step-by-step, and everyone's in the loop. So that's kind of one of the advantages of having uh, people work with each other and feed off each other that way. It's uh, it's basically to ease the customer's mind and make things uh, smoother for them.
0: Absolutely. So, John, uh, walk us through the the rise of John papaloni and then we'll talk about the fall and then the rebirth so what business were you in what were you doing and well how, how did you get there and what the
1: hell happened all right so i started off in the uh as a young kid you know like everybody else wanted to uh, dj play music and uh, mm. my passion was radio which is kind of why we're on uh, podcasting it's kind of carrying forward in my passion <laughs> um so What happened was I wasn't very much of a scholar like I went through school, I graduated, I got my college diploma, whatever, Um, but it wasn't something that was important to me. And I kind of just went through the motion and I didn't want to go through the broadcasting side um, just because I was halfway through the program. And I said, why would I want to do that again? Um, So what happened was I figured I'm going to do my shortcut, which is the workaround. And I got, uh, I decided I was going to play, be a DJ and play music. And I was going to play in the clubs. So when the radios play live from the clubs, guess who's there? Because it wasn't uh, radio dependent as much as the club Mm -hmm. dependent. So I got in there and I I was good at that. And I I became successful that way. I ended up getting on, uh, I was on the radio station four days a week, which is exactly what I wanted. Nice. Um, But yeah, so then when the clubs dumped the radio, well, I was the one left with the club, the kind of radio didn't take me with them. So then it was sort of like, well, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the radio. So I guess I'm out too. Um, But then, you know what? That is a young man's game. And there's only a certain point where you can go, you know, before you have to progress to something else. Now, now the option, I could have gone to radio and tried to get a job now, now that they know me. But uh, I ended up uh, starting off a little uh, marketing business and uh, built into a print business as well. So I got marketing and print at the same time. And I built that little business. I did pretty good at that. I got a uh, I got a large client right off the bat,
0: mm, and
1: right. and uh, yeah. And the problem is, though, at uh, twenty one years old with that large, you know, client, then you know you get big headed, <laughs> and uh, I had an ego to say the least. So what ended up happening is that uh, there was mergers and acquisitions and stuff, and then the head honcho in Canada, because it was a big company that uh, was American and they opened up in Canada, but they merged with the Canadian company or they bought the Canadian company, and the Canadian company uh, CEO was now running the Canadian side, mm. and the Americans were running the American side. So what ended up happening is there was a little bit of a tuffle, and and uh, I ended up uh, walking away, and I thought, you know, big ego, I can replace them like that. Like, it's so easy, no problem. I don't need them. They need me more than I need them. Then I got the rude awakening. Right. And, uh, you know, I thought I would take some time off and then I would just get back on the horse and get a new big client. Well, when you have big expenses, cause you don't trim down six months go by with no income or nothing more than 50 to hundred bucks. You, you, you see where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> so I ended up getting into trouble there. And that was a rude awakening at that point in time. I ended up finding myself about a hundred and a hundred, $110,000 in debt and um at 21 years old no idea what to do with it and eventually got tired of those phone calls so um i ended up uh uh going bankrupt over it and um ironically what happened from there i decided to uh i met a few people and we decided to open up another company and it was similar business pretty much the same thing except we went wholesaling so it took uh about 90 days to really take off. I got an idea. We got an idea. is Instead of like, look, the big problem is when you get into printing, I'll use print as an example. It's the easiest way to describe it. When you get into printing, like most printers do not want to turn on a printing press for a business card. Because for right. lack of better description, it takes roughly five to $800 just to turn the press on. And to do that for an $80 business card is kind of wasteful. But what do you do to your major client? You got a major client like Apple, as an example, who might uh, give you, uh, you know, two four two to $4 million a year in packaging, just say. And now they want an $80 business card. We're going to say, nah, too small for me. Just send me your packaging. No, you're going to do it. So it was a burden to a lot of printers. So I thought, you know what? I like that stuff and I find that stuff easy. So I became a wholesaler. What I did is I did what's called a gang run, which is we take that big, large printing sheet, which is about 28 by 60 wide. And uh, we group a bunch of business cards on there. You can fit about 60 cards per page. Mm -hmm. So I started getting 60 different clients and 60, and I got printers that sent me business, their business cards. I got graphic designers, advertising agencies, pretty much uh, anybody in the wholesale area to send me all their business. And I was, uh, I ended up doing so much that uh, I couldn't keep up. Now, I ended up uh, like that business hit 10 figure. I mean, eight figures a year, put it that way. So then in about 2007, I sold it. Nice. So, yeah. And I got actually more than I asked for. So that worked out well. And, um, from there on, I went to uh, try other ventures and, um, one was an online radio, so like an online, uh, yeah, it was online radio as well as like a blog, and right. it, was, it was a mixture of what's going on in the city of Toronto and as well as with the online radio. I had the ability for people to listen to my music or whatever it is that we were playing through their BlackBerry because back in the day, we didn't have the oh, wow. iPhones yet, right? So everything was through the BlackBerry. So if you ever had a BlackBerry, which the majority of people did, and you were driving to the nightclub, you can actually hear what's going on in the nightclub before you even get there. Cause you oh, just wow. log in, you choose which nightclub you want to listen to click on it and it would play. And then you can play that through your car, whether you plugged it in back then, it was more plug in than uh, Bluetooth and, um, and you can listen to it all the way to the club, just like the radio, except it's through the internet. So it was pretty cool. Um, it did well, but then that's when my parents got sick and oh. I shut that down. It, uh, I tried running it a year while I was at home with my dad and my mom went to a retirement home. She had Alzheimer's. Um, so when I was home with my dad for that year. I just, I tried to run it for the year. And uh, it just became a a positive, like a profit to a loss. And Mm -hmm. I ended up losing overall about, I didn't lose a lot in that one. I lost about 34000 bucks, But because it was indefinite, I didn't know when I would go back. So I decided just to shut down and cut my losses. So with that being said, then fast forward, my dad went into a home to join my mom. And I didn't know what to do with myself. I tried the whole nine to five thing that lasted a whole 90 days. Um then I kind of decided, you know what, what am I good at? What do I want to do? And I thought my parents were landlords. I go to open houses every weekend even though I'm not really looking at the time. So I said, you know what? Instead of going to open houses for free, why don't I get my realtor's license? Then I can do these open houses, I can sell people's homes, I can help people find homes and usually when they find homes, people are happy. They get keys, they find their home. They're very happy people, so I can help them do that. and I obviously enjoy the real estate space. so I got my realtors' license and uh, eight years later, I decided I want to expand my service. so then that's where I got my mortgage license and I developed Apoloni e Capital for the investment portfolio and here we are. Brilliant. So do you have a team in your real estate company? Absolutely. I am uh, in the beginning stages, so I'm very small, but Yes, I am growing. Uh, I let's put it this way: I rarely show houses anymore. I usually get right. someone else to do that. Um, I handle the listings myself. The listings meaning the homes for sale. Mm-hmm. But I, In terms of buyers, I I tend to get far that out. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, obviously, I have uh, some people working on the admin side or a graphic side, etc. So uh, yeah, so it's uh, beginning stages of my growth, but I'm loving it.
0: So I've noticed in uh, in our conversation today a lot of times when it comes to numbers you bracket it. I made this much this much or I lost between 100,000 110,000. So uh tell me the thought process behind that because it's uh uh yeah tell me more about that the the reason to bracket which is actually a really effective way of uh sharing numbers.
1: Well, yeah, I I bracketed it because uh you know what? Everyone can say, oh, you know, I made, I did a big business or it was a small business. Well define that. What is a big business? What is a small business? Like I may be talking to you and I say, Hey, I made a million bucks to me. I feel like a billionaire. And reality is to you, you might look at that and say, great, that's equivalent to a hundred grand 20 years ago in today's dollars. What else are you doing? Right? So now people, you can kind of gauge with those kind of numbers of where I stood, you know, back then versus today, because it's big, not different numbers. Look, when I lost that 109,000 today, 109,000 is somebody like a year and a half worth of salary. But back then the average salaries were 28 29,000, which yep, I'm aging myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was like equivalent to five or six years of salary. So, I think today that's that's more of like a $450, 500,000 loss versus yeah, for sure. That. So, it's much different.
0: So, let's go to our sponsor and we'll be right back to let go of anxiety, let go of uncertainty, let go of doubt. Mindset Boosters gives you the ability to decide how you act and feel in any situation. Ready to take charge of your mindset? Go to mindsetboosters.com. So in real estate uh, or in any endeavor, uh, mindset is such a critical component of how well we do. So first, let's talk about uh, your mindset. Uh, tell me about a time where it wasn't where it needed to be and what you did to kind of get it back uh, where you wanted it. And uh, what do you do on a regular basis to make sure you're like in the fricking zone to get shit done?
1: Well, that's the thing, right? I preach consistency before, right? So developing routine and developing a daily task and, a, and, a, and, you know, a, a weekly plan, like on Sunday, Sundays, we'll take it. I put out my plan for the whole week. Like I could tell you what I'm doing at two o'clock, two 30, two 45, Etc. And I know exactly. Now, obviously plans fluctuate because things in life change. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you have to adapt. You can't just be rigid, but um, having that game plan first is a great way to start because then you, if you don't know where you're going, how do you get there? Right. That's the, the, that's the thing. Now, one of the things that helped me back is myself. I'm uh, my whole mindset is that uh, I have trouble letting go. Mm. That was one of my restrictions, even when I had the eight figure business. It was a very big restriction. I got capped there, not because the industry was capped. It's because I had trouble letting go. Like, what's the point of hiring and having more people if you're breathing down their necks every hour on the hour? So um, I have gotten better over the years, mm-hmm. but I still have trouble letting go at certain points, right? And, that, and that's the thing. So I am capping myself. So one of the things I've learned and, uh, you know, now, and that's what I'm starting to practice now, which is why, look, this expand building up and building people, I was ready to build people two years ago and I just kept holding back, holding back, holding back. A couple of times I even tried, I took on more people than uh, things kind of uh, swayed, not the way I want to. So I went back to being on my own, send the heck with it. And uh, you know what? That was the wrong approach. So the lesson I got here is that I've got to learn to let go and the mindset that's changed is that I got to focus on who, not how. Um, so many times, and that was my restriction and why I was in, you know, had a control problem. Are you are you also referring to the book uh by the same name? That has a book, but that is the same concept, exact yeah. same yes. concept, right? And that and I yes, I read that book and that inspired me. But uh and, and that, but this is where I'm going with it, right? So it's the same concept, same thing. If I focus on how to do things so much, I'm trying to focus on what I can do but then it goes back to what everybody says. There's 24 hours in a day and you're going to be asleep for, even if you don't sleep a lot, you're at least sleeping for five hours of it. Right? So that leaves you with 19 hours. And then even if you're that mad where you're going to go out and do 19 hours a day, which I don't think everybody's going to do, you still run out of time. There's only so much you can do
0: mm-hmm.
1: now. And there's only so far you can go. There's only so many people you can meet. There's only so many people you can talk to. So I can't expand past my 19 hours, we'll say. But now if I find myself in the right network with the right people and I build the right team under me, now all of a sudden it's not just my 19 hours, but it's everybody under me, right? So if I got five people connected to me and we'll, we'll, we'll even make it easier in that math, just 10, eight, hours, each, 10 yeah. hours each, exactly. So now between myself and the five other people, I got the ability to put in 60 hours a day inefficiencies i just gotta let let them go let them do their thing so and here's the key component if you find yourself needing to control the issue isn't that person in the way that their abilities the issue is you made a wrong choice to hire you hired someone that you didn't feel confident enough to let them go and do their thing mm. and if you're not confident in their skills then they're in the wrong position or you're not training them properly it's got to be one or the other.
0: Absolutely. And I think, uh, well, let's go back a bit. Uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, ego got in the way and it was part of your downfall uh, going down. So how do you keep an eye on that? So it doesn't, because uh, ego is such a sneaky, powerful, amazing thing, because without it, we can't do stuff, but also it can get in the way. So how do you, keep your finger on the pulse to make sure ego is there in a very positive way and not in a way that's going to sabotage you or uh, diminish others.
1: That comes sometimes just in life experiences. Like, believe me, when you get kicked in the teeth and you go and you flop and go bust, you tend to uh, open up your eyes a little bit more. And when you come close to being bust a second time, then, you know, I didn't the second time, but came close and... Mm -hmm when you, you hit that spot twice, you kind of learn a lot of things along the way. And one thing you learn to be is humble. And then, uh, again, it goes back to who you're surrounded with. Sometimes just being around the right people mm. tends to inspire you. And when you're inspired, you're looking to grow, you're looking to build, you're looking to, uh, improve and elevate. And when you're looking to improve and elevate, there's no room for ego.
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, uh... So uh how many agents in your team? Is it just, just the, one. Just one. Okay, good. Yeah. It's a good place to start. Yep. And, and uh in your office uh, uh you're part of Royal Page?
1: Royal Page, that's correct. And, Royal Page signature we have 1500 agents there.
0: And which uh, where is that located geographically?
1: Um well, we have three offices, one in Mississauga, one in Tor- uh, downtown Toronto and one in the Don Mills area. So it's all roughly focused around the, um, well, we're, yeah, we're all in Ontario basically, but we go in, yeah. Like a lot of the agents, like I work myself from Niagara Falls, Ontario, to, all the way to uh, Etobicoke, which is halfway to downtown. And um, then I get, uh, I farm out uh, everything past Etobicoke. I won't do that myself.
0: Smart. So what are three pieces of advice you'd give uh- Realtors that have been in the business for uh, three, four years, where they, you know, doing twenty transactions a year, maybe fifteen. How do they jump up to the forty transaction? Like, what, what advice would you give them to get to the next plateau?
1: Well, advice number one is niche down. Too many times we try to be everything for everybody, hmm. and I did that too, and I was all over the place like a ping pong ball, and I was everything to, to I was nothing to nobody. And everything to nobody. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's uh, I like I said, seventy percent of my business is agent to agent referral. That was my niche. Now I found that uh, after the pandemic ended and uh, interest rates went up, my business has shifted. So now I've become an invested investment focused realtor. So I've adjusted with the times because now that things are a little bit scarce people are more reluctant to farm out and they're going to do the distance they would have never done before. Um, So you have to always adjust and adapt. So yeah, one niche down, know who you're serving.
0: Hold right there for a minute and we'll go to two in a second. Uh, What's kind of interesting is uh, uh, I'm guilty of this. Uh, You know, I want to niche down that makes a lot of sense, but John, there's this other group of people and it's so enticing to try and, expand it but uh, niching down so how do you uh, uh, stay true to that what advice would you give to stay true to the niche and not to be seduced by uh, uh, easy pickings but then it distracts you from what you're really trying to build
1: well get out of the scarcity mindset it's uh, when you look at business the way I do today which is in the form of abundance you realize there's plenty of business now we have in Ontario Prior to uh, during COVID, we had 122,000 transactions and 92,500 realtors. Now, that is less than uh, that's a, that's about 1.1 or maybe just slightly less than that transaction per person. Now you have some age, some uh, agents doing uh, 50 transactions, some of them doing 600 transactions. You have teams that are doing a thousand. You have other ones that are doing 200. So what does that do to the numbers for everybody else? It brings you got it, right? So 80% of the people do zero to one transaction a year, 15% make a living, and then 5% make the wealth that everybody thinks that everyone makes. And um, so my point is though, everyone's trying to get all 122,000 transactions. Even if you had a team of 50, you cannot do that. So what you want is your slice of pie. Now, if you're going after, you know, if you go to a certain area, there might be 27,000 homes as an example. And in that 27,000 home, even if you got 5% of that, Mm. that is huge. That's probably more than you can handle as an individual anyways. So why chase all 27,000 in the area? instead of targeting that 5%, and then you can make yourself a lot more attractive to that 5% and therefore getting it. I find that the the more I niche down and the more I focus on an individual that fits my profile, the easier that uh, the conversions come. Brilliant. So what's number two? Number two would be know what your value proposition is and how you can help other people. Start looking at your business as ways of serving and not ways of collecting money. The more you serve, you got to give to get. So the more you serve and help other people, it's like reciprocity. The more they want to help you. And how do they help you? They help you by using you instead of somebody else.
0: Brilliant. So what's your value prop? When you're meeting someone, you say, hey, my name's John and what? What?
1: My value proposition is that I'm a one-stop shop between mortgages and real estate, and I focus on investors, and I help you build wealth. I'm not here to sell you the home that you live in, although I can do that. I'm here to help you build generational wealth.
0: Love it. Number three.
1: Number three would be to make sure that you... What would three be? I gave you niche. I gave you service and... Cocaine. No no, not, okay. no, no, not okay. would be no. that. <laughs> Yeah, I would say number three would be the third thing I would focus on would be again consistency. It comes down to always being consistent.
0: I think words to live by. Uh, was something we've interviewed a lot of realtors and some of the most successful realtors. One of the things they put down as an absolute must is hard work. It's like. If you want to be succe- really successful, it takes effort and hard work and be prepared to do it. And it's not a matter of being smarter and not working hard. It's like they got systems, they got elegance, but people get a sense of they can take their foot off the gas when they reach a certain level. And this is where you go to uh, you know, doing well, not doing well. And so, yeah, consistency, super huge. So, John, I've been interviewing you for about 27 minutes. Uh, you get to ask me one question.
1: Absolutely. What was that moment for you that you realized you were in the right space in life, and you were heading it, you know you were heading towards your goal, and you had that aha moment where you're like, "Ha, I'm here. This is it. I'm glad I'm here." It took me a while, but I made it.
0: So that moment. Thank you for asking that question. That's a really good question. Uh, so my area of expertise is changing human human behavior very quickly, and somebody called me up and said, "You know, my daughter was bitten by a dog. And each time she looks in the mirror, she sees a scar that's been repaired by a plastic surgeon, a scar that doesn't exist. And she just basically, her whole being just falls because she gets taken back to that uh, dog bite experience. And I was meeting her the next day. And that evening I could not sleep because I was like so excited to be of help. And I had no freaking way how I was going to help this four and a half year old girl. But I knew with certainty I would. And the next morning, of course, we did something magical. And for her, uh, she wouldn't see the scar anymore. And she just got her life back. And that's when I knew 100% that I was doing exactly what I was meant to do. And I think it's all about uh, feelings are more important than thoughts. And when you're doing the right thing and you've got that feeling of excitement, joy, uh, and service, it's a it can't be beat. So pay attention to your body and not your head, and I'll point you in the right direction. And one of the things that uh, I've noticed about you, John, as we've been uh, talking is uh, you're always learning. And that's one of the things that great leaders do is always learning, always improving, even if it's like some tangent kind of bullshit thing. I want to learn about horticulture. It still comes in handy in whatever profession you're doing because there's insights everywhere. Yes, exactly.
1: Exactly. Right, you're always learning. You're either growing or dying, and that's what I truly believe.
0: Yeah, I think there's a Bob Dylan song, and we'll leave it with this quote: uh, "He not busy being born is busy dying." And once you realize that, the only moment is now, and now's the moment to uh, uh, do the end credits. But stay with me, John. We're going to go uh, after interview conversation just in a moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.